Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, Deepalm. Follow me on Twitter at Deepalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. Podcasts are given away for absolutely free. Leave that five-star review on iTunes. We'll read it on the air. No matter what you write, I will read it if it's five stars. If it's mean about me, my teams that I love, you know, other things that I hold dear in this world, I understand. I will still read it on the air. Today, we are here on a very special day, recording on July 19th. It's about noon. It is the tail end, the culmination of Deep Palm History Week 2020. And I know you guys have been celebrating the world over. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your dedication to the celebration. And it's only right that I bring the highlight of my Deep Palm History Week 2020 to the podcast listeners. I've got my two best friends in the entire universe. First up is someone you've heard far too much of, the homie Mike. He comes on for NBA stuff, over-unders. I think I'm going to take the win on all these this year because technically I may have been right. What up, Mike? Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't take the win. <laughs> I'm assuming the win. At best, you get an asterisk. At best. I'll take an asterisk as long as I have a W attached. Who the fuck do you think this is? It's my podcast. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the keeper of the records, too. Guess what? I've never lost. Spoilers. Damn it. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, man. I do appreciate it. The other guest we have today is someone who was on, our, I believe, the third episode of this stupid podcast. Um, and I told her, I said, I said, I promise you, it's much better now. Everything's like controlled. We kind of know what we're doing. There's a system. The woman who officiated my wedding, one of my best <laughs> friends in the universe. Sean, what up? How are you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here. Happy birthday. Thank we're getting you. old. <laughs> hey, whoa, I relax. 35 is old and I will wear that and I'm fine with that. But I'm going to start this podcast. We have been starting every podcast in quarantine. Listeners, guests, deep breaths. Relax your shoulders. The world is crazy. Let's have a little fun for about an hour. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed your Deep Palm History Weeks. I don't want to go into any anecdotes. Or, we're not, this is not the embarrassed Deep Palm podcast. Um, so we're not going to do that today. But you guys have been with me for many, many, many a birthday. And uh, I got to say... The virus has proven to make this one the most sedate ever. Yeah. It's been nice. It's been quiet. It's been restful. But um, there have been uh, other ones in the past that weren't as restful that you guys were there for that shall not be delved into this time. We're going to kick it right off and talk about something that I was historically wrong on. And, Shawnee, you can – I'm not going to sit here and lie in front of you. I have been the asshole who talks shit about the WNBA. Yes, I've you have for a very long time. I, I was that guy for a very long time. I was yes, a caveman who did not appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But I learned, I grew, I improved. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, the only college basketball that gets played in this house is women's college basketball. Wow, you've come a long, long way, my friend. I, the many, many furious exchanges that you and I used to have about the WBA. I'll um, be honest. I watched so much women's college basketball, and Susan's just like, why don't you watch the men? I go, because the men, I'll watch a men's college basketball game until they miss a layup, which is about the first minute. And yeah. I'm not going to happen watching them. It's just not going to happen. 
There's an expectation of quality that I'm going to get every women's game I watch. And the women's game, the college women's game right now is awesome. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. They're they're so fantastic. I feel like um, for so long it was just, I mean, just the distribution of power. You know, right. you have new people like Oregon coming on. I'm I'm super excited. It's been really fun to watch. But I'm also really glad that you finally joined the ranks of sanity and realized that the women's game is all I look back at myself and I scoff at that idiot because he had no idea he was missing out on. And what's even better about women's college basketball is that the stuff that people say they like about men's college basketball, like the storylines in the in the four year, that shit doesn't happen anymore. It happens in the women's game. Mm-hmm. The four-year yeah. story of a, of a team growing and like learning and improving is told in the women's game. It's not the men are one and done. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. there's not an option for the women to get any substantial amount of money to go to the WNBA, so they stay for their four years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, I think also just like the emergence of South Carolina has been awesome to watch. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I can I mean, talk about Don Staley for uh, 24 hours. Oh my um, God. I'm super excited but, about her. So, yeah, I'm, I want to open this way because I wanted to be honest. And I wanted to, because I've come so far in this, because when you hear the story of Elena Deladon not getting her money from the Mystics because her doctor said that her existing Lyme disease was, was a risk for COVID, I want everyone to be clear on something right now. We don't know a damn thing about COVID. Right. It's one of those things that's going to be like a, a hangs over everything we talk about during this podcast. But we don't know how it interacts with existing conditions. We don't know how it interacts with Lyme disease or the medicine she's going to have to take. Like, it's ridiculous that the mystics allowed themselves to be in such a PR, just bad place. Like, Mike, honestly, is this the, the biggest blown layup, coincidentally, in the women's game ever? Because to say we're not just not going to pay a player who's sick, we're not just not going to play a player during the pandemic, we're not going to not play a player who's our best player. I mean, this should have been a no-brainer. Uh, I mean, if only for self-interest in the league, you want one of your premier stars, champion, to be able to play in the future, but you're going to put her at risk for not really sound medical reasons? I mean... Can you say it the best way you put it so brilliantly, like, for sheer PR reasons? Because this is a league that's doing pretty good on the PR front. They're the only league, I will say actually putting their money and actions where their mouth is behind social justice. They've been do they've been the leaders in that. This is a league yeah. that somehow got good press from giving their players their own hotel rooms in the new CBA, which again, like mind boggling how poorly these women are treated. Now yeah. a light comes, just a buddy just says, just don't fuck this up. Don't alienate the best player, not just on the Mystics, not just on your reigning champions, but possibly in your league. And this is how you handle it. Yeah, I think the thing that's so disappointing to me about this is just, you know, uh, Deladon put a um, did, pinned an op-ed in USA Today, and what I about like her Lyme disease, and I'm sure she had mo- many multi like many motivations for doing that, but I think it's also just like, you know, this woman's been dealing with it, I think, since like 2008. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she knows her body. I mean, there, it shouldn't have to be this requirement that women have to go these extra lengths to prove that she's sick or any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. I mean, this, the, what she's done for the league, to me, alone should grant her um, some of this leniency. And so I just, you know, and, and this, is what, it's, this is kind of what always has to happen, right? Like, and I think it's this idea of, like, treating a, an athlete like a full person. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Yeah. I mean, to me personally, I don't feel like anybody should be playing right now. We're in a global pandemic. So, like, I just want to start there as opposed to just 100%. even, you know what I mean? Like, I just, you know, it's, you know, people are people. Like, entertainment is entertainment. I just, you know, it's not worth the risk to me. And then what happens if she gets sick, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that boggles my mind. It's like, we sit in this place, and like, like, what happens if she gets sick? And then you lose, the, like, what is probably your most transformative player that you've had in, I don't know, how many years for the next, how many, five, six years? Like, is that worth it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So it's just, I don't know, it's infuriating. I, I mean, I, but I, I'm on the side of like, I don't think any player should be playing right now. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's sad that we're in a place where everyone's trying to make this happen. And we've talked about yeah. it repeatedly on the show. Like, it's just like, wait, what the hell are we doing? This is real. This is scary. This is hurting people. You look at baseball. Uh, Freddie Freeman said that he was laying on his floor with 104 degree fever, praying for his life. Praying for his life. Like this is, he said that, I'm going to quote it here. I said a little prayer that night. I've never been that hot before. I said, please don't take me because I wasn't ready. This is not a game. It's not. You're not in better better physical condition than Freddie Freeman or Vaughn Miller, who still says he's not back to 100%. They don't know what this does to you. And what we do know, like the way it affects the lungs, I mean, how much is endurance important for athletes? Like the thing we do know is that even if they do recover and they have negative side effects, like their lungs are never going to be the same. They're not going to be playing entire games and up to the physical uh, shape they were in before. Like it's, they'll never return to that. Ever. It's, it's, it's wild. Um, Yasiel Puig was supposed to be going to the Braves this week. He was supposed to be signed by the Braves. Made me semi-interested in baseball. and like semi-hoping that maybe they could figure that one out. He tested positive for COVID. The signing's off. Like, it's – this is not <laughs> – and I appreciate yeah. that people, you know, they want their money and they want, you know, they want their sense of normalcy, but at what cost? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it just gets to this growth thing that we've done in this country where we've created this dichotomy between health and the economy. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we've, you know, the, the problem to me is that, you know, we've, we've, we said we've had to choose. You know what I mean? And, like, really, these things go hand in hand. Like, the healthier your players are, the better the league is going to be, the more entertaining it's going to exactly. be. The sicker your players are, the less entertaining it's going to be. You know what I mean? It's just, like, we've created this kind of dichotomy where, like, we have to choose between one or the other. And, like, I and, and I think that's just, and that gets into so many other issues. But, I mean, that's a part of it, too, you know? And, and you look, even right now, with stuff that's happening in NBA bubble. Like, I, for one, am intrigued by the bubble just because so many – Smart people are are intrigued by the bubble. I've read their testing policies. I've read what they're doing. It's very interesting. But you watch Russell Westbrook get popped. You watch uh, Harden get popped. And you're like, wait a second. It takes the air out of the room because you're right. It becomes a question of, wait, what what are we doing here? How and by what measurement is this even close to somehow worth it? And I mean, it is fascinating because, you know, this is the first time we've seen something like this. This is a league that has tremendous amounts of money. A lot of players have a lot of money. And if they can't handle this controlled situation to stem, you know, the spread of COVID, like that has implications for everything else. It it does. And we're going to get into everything else. We're going to get into more COVID talk right now. But, damn it, I want to have a little fun. So can we talk about some NBA stuff that's a little fun? Because out going into the bubble where they put too many teams, they probably should be doing it. The Sixers were rolling Ben Simmons to power forward. Is this an admission of defeat? 
on the Ben Simmons as point guard. Like I've been told for two years that Ben Simmons is the most explosive athletic player in the league. He just refuses to take jump shots. Yeah, I mean, how many post players do they have now? And <laughs> how long did they? Now the question is, Al Horford, why did we sign you? Because they're optimistic uh, Ben could play from perimeter. I don't know. I saw clips the other day. They're still pushing him, shooting fadeaway threes or whatever. Uh, it's, it's never going to happen. I know. It's never going to happen. And what I like about like that, like even that nugget of a story, is it's this attempt at normalcy. This straining, this this grasping for normalcy. James Harden wore a mask into the bubble this week. A blue, was it one of those a Blue Lives Matter mask? And he yeah. said he got it because it covered his beard. And even the fact that we're pretending that this shit matters, that, that, that like this conversation about James Harden's beard while he's currently suffering a COVID diagnosis matters. NFL doctors have told the NFL Players Association that they can pull this off. Guys, if the NBA in their small-ass teams can't pull it off, there's no way. Yeah. I just I just don't have any – I mean, <laughs> you know, I just – I think the hubris, the arrogance that goes into so many people thinking that they can control this, that they can create this completely sanitized version, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> you it's know super, I mean? like, but it's super American. It is. It's just so arrogant. <laughs> it's like – there's a reason that we have the precautions in place, you know, I mean, like, so, I mean, imagine, like, imagine assuming that in a full contact sport, right, like, that you can keep, you can prevent this type of stuff from spreading. Like, I mean, just, I just, I don't know, I just. It's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's in, the arrogance of the NFL is so funny because we all, I guess not we all, but there was a, an air about the room in the spring that said, of all the leagues, the NFL have the longest to try to get this right. And that was also assuming a lot of foundation would get it right and all the things didn't happen too. But watching this play out in real time, I talked about this last week with Rich. It's it's interesting because it's a slow motion version of what happened on March 12th. Over March 12th, over six hours, the NCAA, you watched teams go for, you watched entire conferences go from we're playing our conference title games to we're not playing any title games to the season is over, over six hours. This has all been a slow motion version of that because I'm not sure the American psyche could take the NFL segment then right now, the football's not happening. And what's so funny is during this period of, you know, us kind of admitting football's not happening, the greatest reckoning for one team has come from like eight different angles. If you're living under a rock, the Washington professional football team has admitted one that their name needs to be changed in a statement that we're going to get into in a second. Uh, two, then there was a literally 72 hours of rumors of this massive Washington corruption story that's coming. And three on, I believe it was Friday, the Washington Post dropping a bombshell report that somehow only feels like the tip of the iceberg. We'll start on Monday when they announced that they're going to be changing the name and logo from the slur and offensive imagery that it is to something else. In the statement, they said the name four times, and the letterhead had the logo on. <laughs> Anyone else feel lied to? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you say you're going to change the name, but you don't say, oh, well, here's the new name, or here's, yeah. like, what we're changing well, well, it to. So, like, so that's interesting, because you're right, but also the rest of the week complicates that. Well, yeah, I get it, but, like, all of that complicating it also, 
like, sure, they say they're going to change the name, but, like, there's so many other things they have to deal with before that can even happen. And yeah, exactly. for them to clear this up in, like, a month or whatever, no, it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> I think also, like, you know, this, you know, it's so interesting because I'm like, this has been for, this has been an issue for so long. You know so I mean? long. Like, why, you know, why now the panic? Why, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I get, well, I, obviously I know why, right? But, you know, you could, I mean, you should have had something in the back pocket to say that we're going to change. You should have, I mean, I mean, I, I remember this coming up many times. They've had many discussions with, like, mm. prominent people who have been trying to get them to change the name. Like, so to me, it kind of says, okay, so those efforts were disingenuous, right? You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they've said they've been having conversations with people over and over and over again, and I'm kind of like, okay, well, then all of that was disingenuous because right, right now, if you're saying now we're going to change it, then, like, what were you doing two, three, four, ten years ago when people have well, brought this up? Well, it's, it's right? interesting, like, what, it's what interesting was that? because, like, some of the, like, in 2013, I think it was, Daniel Snyder said to USA Today, he said, you can put this in all caps, never change the name. But then we've also got reports that minority ownership has been trying to sell for four years, largely because of Dan Snyder's inability and desire, lack of desire to change the name. You know how hard it is mm. to be able to not be able to sell your stakes in an NFL team? Like, an NFL team is something everyone who has real money wants a piece of these days. It's a guaranteed return on investment. And it's the first step on buying your own team is being a minority owner. And the fact that these minority owners couldn't give away their shares tells you what this has done to the brand and tells you just what a terrible person Daniel Snyder is. I'm not letting anyone off the hook here. But I would, I'm not saying this is all on Daniel Snyder. I will say that it's interesting to see in a sea full of billionaires who aren't great people, no one's leaping to defend or help Daniel Snyder. Yeah. Has and, commented since all of this. Why would he say anything? Oh, he released a, they released a, a statement on Friday, but we'll get to that in a second. Because before we get there, I want to go back to Monday, the name change. Yes, obvious slur obviously needs to be changed. But what's interesting is that other cities are having this reckoning. Cleveland talking about changing their name. Need to have that conversation. Kansas City needs to have that conversation. Atlanta. Chicago said. Oh, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. We, yes, the 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 that team. Atlanta, it's time to let go of the name. And, and the, the team ownership said they will not change the name, but they will be reviewing the Tomahawk shop. Guys, I've said this on the show repeatedly. It was racist when I did it in 1992. It was racist when I did it until I stopped. And it's racist now. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it's not some deep-seated sign of the franchise. I am older than it. It came in the franchise in 1991. You know what else I'm older than? The tomahawk on the fucking jersey. They added that back in in 1987 because I did two seconds of research for this podcast. Yeah, saying they'll review the chop seems like not even the minimum. I mean, that's a slap in the face. Oh, we'll we'll take a look at the chop that, you know, people have been complaining about forever. Look, they've looked at the chop. They've lied to us before and said we're going to stop playing the, the, the chop anthem at the uh, the stadium. This is good, but I just don't understand. I mean, I just, I just don't understand. Like, because I, mean, it, I do. Because I mean, I do. Racism comes I down to the comfort of white people. Remember, yeah, they moved to Cobb County. I mean, oh. oh, gosh. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about baseball in general, so I'm yes, not. That's true. But Maya had a good name for the, uh, the if they want to change the name of the Atlanta baseball team, she'd be Atlanta Flight. 
it's, it's, if White Flight was a baseball team, it is this team moving to Cobb County. Ugh. But the chops got to go. The time on the jersey's got to go. It's all got to go. It is <laughs> ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we're having a conversation about how ridiculous it is. It would be the easiest, <laughs> like, PR win. Like, it would take nothing. That's what I don't get. Mike, I'm with you. I'm like, you can just, like, there's just, it's like, you know, my mother always used to say, like, it's a free throw. Like, you should make your free throws. <laughs> like, there's literally no one in front of you. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to sit here and you're going to shoot this until you make it. So I just, I'm like, this is just such an easy thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the thing that I don't understand. Like, this stuff is just so easy to do. I mean, I, I, I don't, you, you gain so much more than you lose. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, for years in corporate culture, broke, woke equal broke. It was a bad time to be the socially active brand. And now, for however yeah. long it shifted, the paradigm has shifted, and the last people getting involved are the ones who's reaped the least benefit. Like that's what I'm trying to explain to people. It's like, look, guys, read the fucking room. The tides have shifted. If you yeah. move early, you get overheralded. And if you move late, you'll be crucified. Or not even notice. Or or, or, yeah. or worse yet ignored. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the that's the whole thing to me is <laughs> being ignored. You know, <laughs> moving on. I'm far more interested in people these days who are trying to make a change and I you know, if you don't you know, if you don't see that your name is racist and people are like I don't there's not much hope for you. <laughs> you know, no, I don't there's know not much hope for you. And there's a lot less hope coming out of Washington too, because for the next seventy two hours after this problematic statement was released, there were rumors. And not like message board rumors, like people who work at the Washington Post tweeting things rumors. Because there was a lot of chatter coming out of what the Washington front office, some players were showing old text messages from Jay Gruden, threatening to fight them. Like it is all bad in Washington. And then on Friday, the Washington Post drops this bombshell, 15 women speaking out about the culture of Washington uh, professional football team, not just the corporate culture, but also Harkening back to a story that I think broke last year about the cheerleaders on their, when they go shoot the calendar, people having their passports taken and forced to go to dinners with these uh, big sponsors and, and just the worst things you'd assume about football, the worst things you'd assume about any corporate culture laid bare in the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah but that's not shocking, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I think... Like, I like think, an or I think you know, seeing, it, seeing it in black and white is, shock, is shocking for people. It's what? I think seeing it in what? black and white is shocking for people. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think it's more of, you know, a, like an organization that clearly, you know, uses its power to demean multiple different, you know, populations over and over again when people have repeatedly asked for them to change in the job. Then to see that it's sprinkled down to women who are obviously, again, you know, prone to kind of suffering the same sort of thing. Like, I don't, I mean, you know, if it start, if, if that's kind of like the way the leadership is at the top, like, of course, that's kind of how it's going to run through the entire organization. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if there's like a, a clear connection between those two things, right? Like, so I, you know, I mean, I think the fact that all this is coming out isn't shocking. The fact the public, the kind of public statements you make isn't shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's atrocious. So, I mean, I think it's just, I don't know. It's all connected to me, so. 
but that's me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right. And, you know, you got 15 in the article, so you know it's more than 15. Right. Uh, right. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm happy this is coming to light and hopefully something will be done. Am I? Do I think something will be done? Not really, based on right. history, but... Uh, <laughs> based on leadership, you know? <laughs> right. Based on who's in charge. Exactly. So. But at least, you know, they got what they fired or people retired, like three or four people. I mean, at least yeah. they're gone. I don't know. But then, like, you get the Dan Snyder statement, like, this is unacceptable. Like, I'm like, no, it's clearly acceptable. It's clearly acceptable. Like, that's what's right, happening. Right, because you let it happen. <laughs> exactly. That's right. the definition of acceptable. I don't know what kind of dance you're trying to make here, but no. Like, who else could stop it if not him? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, Dak Prescott got his money. I think it's going to be one of those deals where, you know, it's a it's it's a, sh- a short term rental, and I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do in Dallas down the road there. Um, because guess what, guys? There's not gonna be an NFL season. There's not. The NFL's like kind of protected from this because of the TV contracts going in place next year. But there's not gonna be an NFL season. And now we're coming to the realization that college football is not gonna happen either. And I can tell you that because people are canceling season ticket plans and you see other programs getting shuttered around the program. You see schools going all online. And Shawnee, we saw our former home, the Ivy League, shutter their fall sports a week ago. Everyone's eventually going to go to as well. Um, Good. What's interesting I mean, to me is that this is the moment. This is the moment where we have, where college athletes should never step foot on the field again without getting a paycheck. Particularly your revenue sports, football, and basketball. Because if you're telling me that if we don't play football, we might cut the University of North Carolina's entire collegiate um, budget for the system by 25%, I'm telling you pay the players. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the rumor. The UNC system is going to be cut by 25% budget-wise. That's the rumor coming in North Carolina. Well, I mean that. Well, that makes sense because athletes generate money for universities, and they should be paid as a result. So. <laughs> and it's so funny because, I mean, again, this is. <laughs> no, I know, Shani, but you. But the thing is, like, for, it makes sense for all of us. But the world's like, no, maybe it doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, world, you're the one being silly because if if you're saying that they can be on campus but other students can't, then they're proud. Then you're saying that they're just like everyone else who's an employee of the school, like. They cannot push this much further without giving the game away. You have Coach Ed Orgeron, who is a fascinating test case in all of this, because Ed Orgeron is best friends with the Democratic governor of Louisiana. However, he was at a Mike Pence fundraiser the other day saying that the world needs college football. The country needs college football through COVID. So it's been very interesting to see how politics are playing into this. And the most interesting place of all that it's happened, I was trying to find a way to get here, and I think I just did. Mike, the Alabama yeah. Dems. For those I mean, of you who don't know, <laughs> I love college football, not just for the sport of it, because the, the culture around it is ridiculous and stupid. And sometimes you end up with a four ex-college football coach running for the Senate. <laughs> he beats out Jeff Sessions. 
And the Alabama Democrats have decided to remind everyone of what Tommy Tuberville was like at Auburn. For those of you who don't remember, Tommy Tuberville almost got fired at Auburn. Um, Bob Petrino almost took that job under the cover of night. He then killed off an undefeated season, which changed the entire trajectory of college football, which just the, I don't want to talk about it right now, but yes, there's a lot that happened off of this. Well, you know this is just some like uh, angry football fan who got to dust off uh, some tweets in the drafts about Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville won overwhelmingly. You know where he lost? Tuscaloosa. Because yeah, he used awesome. to coach at Auburn. And the people who are outside the state think that, oh, Alabama, Auburn, it must be an even split. No, 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 no. The majority of that state is Alabama fans. And Tommy Tuberville is an enemy of them. I'm going to quote the Alabama Democrats uh, Twitter account now. He lost his last Iron Bowl, 30, Bowl 36 to nothing, collects millions of dollars in the pension money from hardworking Alabamians, and built investors based on their trust and investment advice. That's a true story. Uh, Tom Tuberville cannot legally give investment advice to anyone due to stealing money. <laughs> I mean, I don't – has Tommy Tuberville done anything politically? But like, no, what no. is the best part? Is that all he's done is turned full racist? Like it's so funny to be interviewing people who are like ex Auburn people who worked there or played for him who are like I don't know he's done full Trump. And what's even funnier is you look at other um, coaches who are beloved and try to run for the Senate. Tom Osborne has all those records in Nebraska couldn't win the Senate. Tommy Tuberville is barely liked at Auburn. I think right. this. I, the play here is very interesting to me because you're right. He has no political history, none. He's running on the strength of Donald Trump likes me and I used to coach football here. That is it. Okay. Yeah. Which one? In Alabama. <laughs> but what's even funnier is that so scandals in like politics or the NFL. Like, if all this Jay Gruden stuff turned out to be true, like, that's going to come out, it's going to be explosive because in those situations, people are paid to keep quiet. In college football, no one's paid to keep quiet. So if Tommy Tuberville has skeletons, which we all know he does because college football, they're all going to come out. It's going to be hilarious. I'm, I'm more invested in Tommy Tuberville's senatorial race than any other race in this country. For sheer comedy value. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> probably not any other race. That's probably not true. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, I probably overstated that. That's fair. I'm not going to lie to <laughs> You know, Canada won't let the um, Blue Jays play in Toronto because of how bad COVID is here in the United States. Good. Smart. <laughs> it's like yeah. we are like Donald Trump. Everything he says is a projection. So if you call someone crazy, he's calling himself crazy. When he called other countries shithole countries, do you think he was trying to do this? <laughs> Just, I know. This is the other countries ban us. I mean, it's, you know, I get it. I, I'm good. Ban us. I mean, we don't. I live in America. I want to ban us then, so. We've been, we've been uh, forcibly quarantined. That's what's happened. Yeah, man. Oh, oh man. Uh, I've got some standing bets with friends. Shawnee, do you believe the NFL starts on time? Keep in mind, the NFL is canceled 
the first two weeks or weeks one and four preseason already, and no one's ready for camp, and coaches and executives are worried about how they're going to pull this off. Do you think we're getting an NFL season? No. Okay. No. Good. Mike. Not, and when you say I would, I would say when you say NFL season similar to what we've had, no, that's not going to. That's nothing. Nothing that will come limping across the line for NFL. Another PR thing for me, like, isn't it worth protecting your brand by not putting out a substandard product? Right. Like, I just, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't know what quality you would think is going to actually be there. And watching, I just, yeah. I don't care about quality. They just want the money um, and the media. See, they have no competition do you, do you on think TV. You're getting NFL season, Mike? No. <laughs> I think they're going to push it as much as they can, but it's not. It's not going to work like the there's one domino at the front of all of these situations. As soon as like one person gets sick, like it's not going to just be one person. It's going to spread. Well, and, but that's you the interesting thing. Like you look at the NBA bubble right now, because the, the season was shut down because Rudy Gobert popped. That's how the season right. was shut down. Yep. We've had people popping on their way in. Right. What's the line? Like, what's the number where they're like, hey, that's enough? Because this that's what gets me. Like, you're going to have officials, you're going to have coaches, you're going to have announcers, you're going to have the staff of this hotel floating in and out of the bubble. Like, Without someone's going to get sick. Costumes. And it's, and for me, I, I, I can wrap my brain around a basketball team because it's only 12 guys. Football team, I'm like, this is, un, this is unreasonable. You can't dream of doing this. How do you do a line of scrimmage in football? Basketball, no. I can get my head around. But at the same time, like, I really can't. I can't. And I get why they have to try because there's enough money on the line. Because the CBA would be decertified and it gets really ugly if they don't try. I understand that and can intellectually do that. But at the same time, like you said, Shawnee, this is not a uh, an either or that, that needed to be chosen. Like, you didn't have to do this. Right. You know? <laughs> Just, yeah. I mean – I, you know, especially for me, like NBA, like these leagues are such star driven, like entertainment is such star driven entertainment. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I keep thinking, you know, Mike, you were saying like, or Dan, you guys were saying like, what's the, what, what line in the sands will actually happen and move this? I mean, I think I hate to, I mean, I hate to say this, but I don't, I think that a preeminent, like what if a Patrick Mahomes gets sick? Yeah. Like, wow. Like seriously, like what, I mean, what happens to in it? Like, he is, I think, what is he, like, 22, 23, 24 maybe right now? He just won a Super Bowl. Like, imagine if what's going to happen is a marquee player is going to get sick. And, like, it is so hard to find star talent. Like, what is – you know what I mean? I just – that's kind of he where just my signed that contract for half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars. Half a billion – and probably underpaid, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. That's that's like, a renegotiated year six. That's a renegotiated yeah. year six. Yeah, like that's, you know, and so just the idea that, you know, I mean, I don't know. So I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if there is a line for this. I don't, I don't feel like there is a line for this country with COVID. I feel like we're, you know, people are getting sick all the time. So I don't. The number don't goes up every day and it's just, and I get that we're this idiot settler country that has no sense of history or like magnitude of things, but just, Open your eyes, like I don't. I, don't, I that's what people like. Oh, you got to try to understand. I don't understand. I don't want to understand these people. I don't want yeah. to see their point of view. They're endangering. I all mean, of us. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, but it's good back to the, you know, that dichotomy I was telling you earlier. Like, you have to pick and choose. And, and people have, you know, politicized it. And I don't know. We just run away from science for so long in this country. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I think there's just, there's so much stuff that's happening. It's like, it's just a big reckoning, honestly, well, in so many different ways for our country. It's, it's interesting because so. once you start framing education as compulsory, the, the idea of learning for self betterment kind of vanishes and education becomes punishment and mm-hmm. so you have people who i graduated i never learned anything again in my life and say that shit proudly it's a strain yeah. of anti-intellectualism that has permeated america for my lifetime yeah it's just been fans the right and, and those they get the way like even like it's so funny because you watch Washington's name get changed. You know what you didn't see, Shawnee? Riots. Hmm. You didn't see fucking people in the streets fighting to keep the racism. Which means they could have done it anyway. They could have done it anytime. And what it takes is yeah. not pretending the other side has a fucking point. Just because yeah. they're talking does not mean <laughs> you have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when especially when you're on the side. Yeah, but it's like that old quote. I mean, it's James Baldwin quote, right? Like, you're you know, I'm willing to listen to the other side as long as it doesn't require me to be dehumanized, Mm -hmm. right? But so many of these arguments, it's like, you know, what is your argument for wearing like against wearing a mask? (laughs) You 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 get in the car, you put on seatbelts all the time, right? Like, there's so many other things that we do consciously to protect ourselves and others. Like, why are you drawing a line here? Right. I mean, I just, you know, I, yeah, I mean, we're, right. we're in alignment. I've got you guys here. I want to talk about one more thing for the afternoon. Because something super interesting is happening in Texas and a lot of schools across the nation. These players, these, these, these coalitions of students are using their voices to have things change. We've seen name changes at Clemson. Um, we've seen uh, a name small stadiums in Texas. And the three of us went to, the most privileged school in America. And I don't say that as hyperbole. I know people say that shit and they think certain things. We had the highest endowment of any day school in America. The bad guy in every sports movie is our high school. And it's been so interesting because even there, people are finding their voices and using their voices. And like, I know we've been kind of talking about COVID kind of overhung the whole conversation, but I can't help but not feel a little bit hopeful in this moment. Does it feel a little bit different, Shawnee? Ooh. That's a good question. I think so I think that the the difference for me, I've been thinking about that. Like the difference to me is like this is the first time that I think I've seen a country spurred by something that's happened to a black person. Mm. You know, that's that to me is a difference. You know, oftentimes I think America has moved you know, because of white supremacy, it has moved because something that's happened to white people, right? Um, and black, black people, we've always been marching about this, right? Like, this is not this is not new to us. So we, you know, we showed up just like we did on Tuesday and Monday, you know what I mean? Like, we've been here. Um, I think this is the first time that I've seen the country move as because of something that happened to a black person. Um, as far as being hopeful, I'm always, yes, I'm always hopeful in some ways. I, 
I think I'm also pushing it back against this idea, though, seeing young kids. Like, I love seeing young kids use their voice. Don't get me wrong. I think encourage right. and support it. But it shouldn't, but it's it shouldn't not, be on like, them. It shouldn't be on them. It's not their responsibility to change this country. I mean, we are adults. We can, you know, we are participants in the society. It makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense that it has to fall to teenagers and young 20-year-olds to basically stand up and to get adults to behave and to do the right thing. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, I think the day that children get to be children and get to enjoy their lives and adults get to take responsibility for the society that they create, that to me is hopeful. Hmm. Sorry, that was my <laughs> idea. I'm trying, I just, I'm I think trying to positivity pivot, pivot Shawnee. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, Mike, I mean, Mike, do, you have any, do you have any sunshine for her for her clouds? Sorry, I'm I'm on the more pessimistic side. So it's a perfect storm for people to get out and protest. You know, everyone's sitting at home, nothing to do. People are angry. They don't have jobs. The government's like, not. We, can, we can look at the framing of the how we got here. I know, I know, but like already, the media has stopped covering it. I mean, yes, people have been protesting for so many consecutive days. You have yep. things happening in Portland that barely are getting any mention. I, the lack of attention to Portland is insane. And, and they it's just one arrested. Of the reasons why I scoffed at the NBA's like, here are the names you can put on the back of your jersey bullshit. Because if I'm a trailblazer, guess what? It's about to get, I'm going off book. Right. But like, you know, the pressure that was there to force people to act differently. You know, they arrested all those people that were sitting out on the lawn of the AG, um, even though, you know, they dropped the charges because there's some famous people there. Um, you know, it's hard to maintain the sustained pressure. You know, all the famous uh, protests that we know from history did not, you know, lasted hundreds of days or years. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we got to maintain the same energy but, you know, we're fighting, you know, not only white supremacy, we're fighting a media that, you know, wants a new fun story every day or every week and is just right. shifting the focus, you know, assuming they even cover it properly in the first place. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, we have this election coming up that, you know, rightfully is going to draw a lot of focus away, even though, you know, the two things aren't, you know, totally separate. Uh you know, the election is different. Like, it seems like we're just going for the lesser two evils, the bare minimum to, like, try to start to get something to change, whereas the protests are about radical change. Like, let's defund the police. Right. Let's reallocate resources to things that really matter. Let's maybe treat people of color. Like, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like, your, it's a radical thought, Mike. It's a crazy thought. I mean, in this country right now, it is. Um, and right now, any other time. Yeah. So, you know, like, I'm happy to see everyone out. You know, I'm surprised with people educating themselves and really understanding how things are. Um, but we got a long way to go in my eyes, and hope we can do it. But I don't know. I got to be shown it because... Yeah, I think it's like you'd be just dismissive of your entire life and our and our entire like generations upon generations of history. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, not, like I'm not ignorant enough to think that this is it. Put my feet up. We, we made it and shit. I just for me, it's more like like you said, Mike. It's it's the sustained energy that I haven't really seen in my lifetime. 
it is. I mean, it's and, 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 not our fault, though. Like, I think that's the part for me that, like, this is not, this is not, I mean, what we are, what we continue to fight for to me is more about how we mitigate the effects of ongoing white supremacy, right? Right. Like, this is, I mean, I also just think that, like, you know, Mike, things you were talking about, the radical politics, like, there's so much that mentally we have to shift about the way we think about health and wellness and mm-hmm. the economy and so many different things and housing and stuff like that. Like, we're, we're right now just talking about, like, criminal justice, I feel like, and police right. brutality. But, like, <laughs> you can't disconnect that from housing and poverty and so many other issues. So, you know, for me, I'm like, we have so much unpacking to do, right? Like, as a, as a society to get to where we want to be. Um, I don't know. I mean, and, and it's a scary unpacking. It's like letting go of things that, you know, give you a certain leg up in this society. Like, are people really willing to forego power? Do you know what I mean? Like, those are the things that I, that that's the kind of behavior that I, I would, I want to see to be more hopeful. Like Serena Williams' husband, right? Yeah. Like, he stepped down, you know what I mean? Like, those are the kind of things that we have to start seeing in this society on a routine basis um, before I think, you know, we start having the kind of collective change and, you know, that we need. People have to investigate their relationship with power. And, I mean, how many people do you know do that, <laughs> right? No, it's true. I mean, how, 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 who's willing to abdicate power? That's the, that's the, the appeal. Right. And, and that's the appeal and the draw of it in the first place. And I think it's super right. interesting to see it this week kind of in the the micro of the Sean Jackson with the micro macro of anti-Semitism in sports and in the black community. It's been interesting to see how many people don't want equality. They just want power over someone else. Right. And the conflation of the two and saying that, Oh, I don't, yeah, I want equality, but what I really want is the ability to also shit on people. And right. Right. those aren't the, that's not the thing. Like you are in love with power. You're not in love with your people. And that's the difference. So I, like, yeah. if you're if you're pushed for black equality does not include or Black Lives Matter does not include your 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 LGBTQI like brothers and sisters like guess what then that you're not real like that's not it you just want power yeah. and it's power. so yeah. and it's been so interesting to watch people leap to these idiots defense on this anti-Semitism shit and you see just how ingrained it is and it reminds me why I call Hoteps the Ankh right like that they, they are closer. To the people they say they're against in their ideologies and they would ever care to admit. And mm-hmm. like watching, like watching an Ankh-right dude happen in public, like that's like a cousin you don't talk to who smokes too much weed at a reunion. Like, no, we can't have people. I, I couldn't believe I was hearing barbershop philosophy on television. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's not that shy. I can't believe he did. No one got in front of it. How about that? No one was like, I, hey, maybe don't say this. Exactly. Like, you see, you see yeah. Professor Griff on like, why did Griff get fired from Public Enemy? Maybe we, maybe we don't interview him. Nothing <laughs> He's fired in 87. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that it's it's you know what it is. It's that shocking realization of a conversation I didn't know we needed to have. Right. Like it comes back to the basic thing, and I think uh, Kareem said this in one of the pieces he wrote, where it's like, look, we're not free until everyone is free, and I don't understand why in 2020, those of us who 
are still being oppressed don't get that. Like we don't get to pass down depression to others because we have whatever privilege we have. Exactly. Uh, everyone needs to be free so we can all be free. I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I like that. Like that's where it gets to like people's investigation of power. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's all you see coming for, you know, coming to fruition by many different people. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I I think one question I have for you, Daniel, is I remember we were like, I remember we were talking a long time ago about like NFL and Colin Kaepernick, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like in all the stuff that's come out, do you, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many things. I mean, Colin's always been right, right? But if you right. had to, what would you, what would you like? To, he's always been right. Um, but I feel like I wonder, I wonder what those conversations are like now. You know what I mean? Like within the NFL it's, around Colin Kaepernick, right. you know? I guarantee they haven't changed that much because if you look around, it was never about the kneeling with Colin. It was about him because other players kneeled and got jobs. Yeah, other players true. kneeled with Colin and got jobs. Eric Reed called another player, Uncle Tom, for getting involved with the alliance with the league, and he had a job. Yeah. And it was so all, yeah, it, was it, was never about it was always about Colin. They made it personal because if they felt like he was spitting in their face. And so and also, you know, it takes into fact like that the highest office in the land called the guy son of a bitch and said he should be kicked out of the country. But now they realize that the emperor has no clothes. The tweets don't mean <laughs> shit. You can't hurt us anymore, old man. And NASCAR's pulling his card. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that like, but uh, um, I can't think of the name of the athlete right now. But um, he was the only baseball player who knelt. And baseball's having that. Oh yeah, record. I saw that. Yeah. And it's it's um how I think Howard Beck wrote it. If it wasn't Howard Beck, I apologize. But it's a wonderful piece. You guys should look it up. Um, but it goes into kind of like the fall things that happened after that. And he's playing ball in Mexico now, and he's happy and he's healthy. But it's just one of those things where he looks back and he looks at the the temerity in the situation now and says, "Man, I can't believe it took this long." And I would be interested more. I know Colin's got the thing coming out with Disney that um Jamel Hill's involved with. I'd be interested to talk to Colin. I don't. Yes, the the how we got here with Colin super interesting. How do you feel today, right now? It's super. It's more interesting to me because yeah, it's right? a man who, who who looked at his livelihood, who looks and for people who think it's like a stunt or whatever, y'all gotta understand how hard it is to be an NFL quarterback. <laughs> you don't part time that shit. And so for him to say, I want to be this, but I still want to use my voice. That in of itself was weirdly empowering for me. Because like when I got in the sales thing, people I people say like, maybe you shouldn't be so outspoken about things you did. I'm like, yo, if, if the things I say push you enough to where you don't want to do business with me, I wouldn't want to work with you in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it 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 it, it impact like you know, we we don't have the platform Colin Calvert does, but we can all say I'm not gonna bend on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it was nice to see a man put a little steel in his spine. And knowing yeah. that he endangered, like, he knew what he did. It wasn't like he backed into it and tried mm-hmm. to get out. He knew, he walked in with full eyes open that his decision 
even after conferring with Nate Boyer on how to be respectful and coming up with kneeling in concert with a veteran. He knew what he was risking. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be interesting because because people are going to try to tear him apart. You know, you're going to get the, ex, the, 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 the things that people are going to try to tear apart him about, whatever. And I say this. Any sort of shortcomings that are brought to light or that people feel like he sold out tonight or some bullshit, they're outweighed by the sacrifices he made and the, and, and the good he did. Uh, King was a, an adulterer, but his adultery is outweighed by the good that he did for this nation. Like, I don't, I don't see when people try to poke holes in a messenger, it really shows how weak the counter argument is. It's like, oh, so you know, you don't have shit to stand on. Well, I mean, it's also this idea that you have to be perfect to be able to take a stand, right? Exactly. And like, it, it kind of always goes into this, you know, this idea that you have to be a perfect victim. You know what I mean? Like you can never have done anything wrong or questionable, you know, to, 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 you know, cause I mean, all that's used to justify kind of oppression and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, we the country did this with a Muhammad Ali too, you know, and he mm. ended up being the greatest of all time. They literally took away his career. I mean, Colin is very similar. Um, yeah, I would just, I mean, I think that's the thing that I, I wonder how he feels. I mean, he's gotta be angry though. You know what I mean? gotta be mad. Like, he's gotta be angry. I mean, he has every right to be. I mean, it's just, it wasn't, yeah, I mean, I just, that's the part for me that I'm like, he's gotta be furious. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just, yeah, that, that, that to me is just, I don't know. I, I wonder about that. And then I remember, you know, there was that whole Jay-Z kind of joined the NFL at some point, and yeah. I don't know if him and Kyle and were, Kaepernick were on the same side, but it's also just a sign to me sometimes where, like, you know, people need to fall like Colin did the right thing, and he and he stood up and, and he's improved over and over and over again. You know, it is super interesting you bring up the Jay Z thing because it's it's something you look back. If you look like a real unvarnished look at history, there's always been competing views on how things to get things done. There's always been right. two or three competing voices who want to get to the same place but saw different ways to get there. And so people say, oh, it's divisive. No, this is this is the work. People are gonna say I'm with X, Y, or Z, or this is the best path. And guess what's gonna happen? We're gonna get forward by merging of those paths. The best ideas are gonna are gonna come forward, or the ideas that are most backward, ideas that win, or however you want to look at history. But as long as we're pushing in the same direction, I feel like we can all push in different ways. That's fair. I mean, as long as you're pushing, as long as you're not trying to look like you're pushing and not push. You know what I'm saying? Like, as long as there's genuine. And and guess what? (laughs) When you're trying something new, someone's gonna be wrong. There's gonna be a mystery. Do you feel like that way with with Jay Z and um, Colin that Jay Z was trying something new? I think that I think that people jumped on the Jay Z thing because of the way it looked, and then I look at Jay Z's track record on his philanthropy and the way he's gotten involved financially, and I'm like, well, let's let it play out. Because when he moves quietly, it's usually when like the bigger things he's done, like the bail, like the bailouts in Ferguson, like you know, he didn't publicize that, like the other stuff that he does that he doesn't publicize. I'm like, well, I have no reason to doubt his sincerity. Yeah, I mean, this gets. I mean, I you know, I think that I think that it's just a very delicate line. Like I felt mm-hmm. like Colin always had a very clear message to the NFL, and I didn't feel like. Um, I think from a monetary perspective, everybody, I mean, I think it's also important to take a lead from the people who are on the front lines. 
you know. Right. Um, and so I think I'm, I have, you know, I support in what JB's been doing and, you know, in many, in a myriad of ways. But I think the leader to me in that whole engagement has been Colin Kaepernick. Okay, but right. You know, and so I think that, that's kind of where I stand with that one. Once he kneeled, there was no, there was no, there's no ask. Like if, if you wanted to be critical of the Kaepernick thing, like there was no ask. There was no, here's what I'm asking for from the NFL. It was, he was asking to bring acknowledgement to police brutality, which, by any measurement, most successful protests of all time. I mean, I think this is pretty emblematic of the way protests are these days. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, focused around leaders like they were with MLK yeah. and Malcolm X. You know, Black Lives Matter, you know, have people that founded the actual organization, but the wider, you know, protest and movement is it's decentralized. Bigger. And part of that is by design. Right. And, you know, Colin's not dumb. You know, right. he's handling this how he wants to handle it. Um, and there's much to fight for with, you know, what he started there. And so, you know, I think there's room for different approaches, like you said. Um, but also, you know, we need to give those approaches a chance to, you know, succeed or fail. Uh, failing isn't the end of the line, but uh, cutting it off at the knees before it even gets started. I mean, what does that really do? Yeah, and that's and I think yeah. that's where I come from. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. If you don't try it, you don't know if it won't work. Like that's and 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 we're at a crisis point to where uh, I'm I'm willing to, to to shoot with a shotgun as opposed to a sniper rifle. Like let's kill everything we can. Like I don't know. Yeah, as let's throw possible. everything at it. I mean, the proverbial I don't kitchen sink. I think I mean I hear what you're saying, but I also think that there's different power dynamics within a movement too. That's right, true. like I think, and so I think it's that's where I say it's, it's important to follow the leaders of a movement because I look at the Black Lives Matter movement, and that was started by two queer women. Right. You know what I mean? Very few people know that, and very few people honor that when they talk about when they invoke it. And I think it's the same thing that you look at the civil rights movement. Like, where where are the women heroes in that movement? Right. You know, and so to me, it's kind of like I I think it's important to take a lead from the people who are doing the work. I think. I, you know, I, I applaud like so many celebrities who are in it, but you know, to me, it's important to follow the activists who are on it every single day. And I think that, you know I think I mean? that's and, and that, and that, that to me was where the breakdown happened. Like I, I don't, it's not what Jay-Z chose to do. I think that Colin had clearly established himself as a leader and like having that buy-in and having that collaboration, having that, like that to me is like, that is huge. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that to me is but, also important. But I like, don't think it can be a power dynamic. I don't think it can be a singular hmm? gateway to, to a movement, to to a larger goal. You know what I'm saying? I think that what Mike and I are talking about with the decentralization of the leadership is a benefit to this era of uprising or of organization. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But, I, I again, like, I think it's important like even in that decentralization like everybody carries a different power dynamic into a movement and and oftentimes like movements start within queer like, black communities that are at the forefront but very quickly whether it's through decentralization or it's i'm going to go and i'm going to capitalize this, you know i'm going to lead it in this direction like those people are often trampled over do you know what i mean yeah so like yeah. i don't I think that that to me is where I say like that's where my kind of like I guess protection comes from that from that stance. No, I I totally agree with that. I mean, when the leaders out there on the front lines started this, grew it, 
I mean, obviously, I think they should be listened to and followed. I think what I'm saying with the Kaepernick situation is, you know, he's largely remained pretty quiet publicly. And that was my only thing about that. You know, if he was had a clear list of demands out here and direction, I think it would be a little bit different. Um, and the people being left behind, I think that's like such a larger issue. I mean, right. everything from like who actually gets talked to and widespread recognition by media and stuff like that. Like they're not qualified. And, and that affects everything. That affects science. That affects sport. That affects like the, that affects the world in general. And that's, I think, but the, you're right. It is, it, it is a specific problem within the movements as well. But I wanted to thank both you guys for coming on. This is so much fun. I, I appreciate you guys listening because you guys just get to hang out with me and my best, two best friends. This is our group chat most of the time. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate you guys letting me do that in front of other people. Mike, always a pleasure. We'll have you back on before NBA starts because we'll pretend like the season's going to happen. And Shawnee, right. thank you as always for coming on. Um, one day I'll come here and make you sit still while I brag about how cool you are and all the things you've done. Um, yeah. But yes, this has been the birthday celebration of uh, UD Pod. Um, we'll be back next week, a uh, new podcast. And I've been radicalizing my wife, Susan through Clone Wars and Rebels. She's almost done with Rebels, so I think we're going to turn that into content somehow, too. Very excited. I know, Mike, um, you are very happy with the radicalization of the Susan. Um, that was your show. This is your outro. See you guys next week. Bye.